Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I am Brandon Schultz, and unfortunately, the Seahawks fall this weekend to the Los Angeles Rams 28-12, but I am joined by Sean Widmer, co-host of Jay and Kevin from KXLY FM in Spokane to talk about it. Slim, how you doing? I'm good, man. How have you been? It's been a long time since I've heard your voice this way. I normally just hear it listening. <laughs> yeah, this is fun. I, I, you know, the last time we were face to face, I think in Spokane on air uh, when you're doing the Dickow show, and uh, so this is cool. I'm, I'm glad that we have this chance to to connect back. And, and unfortunately, we're talking about a loss, though. I know, man. It's such a bummer. I, I would have loved to have talked standing on top of the standings. How much more fun would that have been today? I just because it would be over the Rams for one. And that's a team that I never like losing to. You can try and spin it any way you want. Yeah, the Seahawks still control their own destiny through the last three games. They still have a shot at the number one seed with a win over San Fran in week 17. But it, even with all that said, give me a loss to Carolina. I would maybe even take a loss to Arizona because we always have those random losses. I wanted to beat the Rams badly. I, I loved the the stuff today that was talking about McVay and we lose to McVay. We're over that, right? It's just, it's simply that Jersey. It is all Rams. Anyone can coach them. We lose to them. Yeah. I, I, whether it's Jeff Fisher. And I think that's one of the, my big problems is that it goes back to Jeff Fisher when we should have been winning and now, okay. Now they have a better team, maybe a better coach. But uh, still, the, the frustration is real, and uh, I, I guess we're going to get over it. We also had some bad news today, finding out that Rashad Penny, who was injured on that very first drive of the game, the first time he touched the ball even on a 16-yard reception, and now he's out with an ACL injury for the season. He's really, really good too, isn't he? That's someone who, when you, when you saw the news, I, I, I don't know how your, your brain went, but my brain went, not only do we lose him for the season, that's probably someone... You don't you don't keep around, right? With Penny, he's going to be back, I would assume, because he's just in his second year. Chris Carson, uh, he's got he's coming back for another year. I, I guess we're going to see some CJ Procise. Uh, we only saw him for one rush attempt in this game against yeah. the Rams, two yards. He's been kind of a disappointment. He's the one that I don't expect to come back next year because he's coming to the end of his contract. But with a guy like Penny, you hope that he gets healthy and. You just know that it's going to be tough for him being, you know, kind of that speed type of guy and coming back now from an ACL injury. We've seen a lot of guys come back from injury that just, you know, they it takes them a while to recover from something like that. Oh, and, and speaking of one of those guys, I don't know about your thoughts on Tyler Lockett last night, but I know his injury, obviously much, much less severe than Rashad Penny's. Yeah. But that leg's not right either. It's that, that recovery is not going as quickly as, as needed. No, and just four receptions, 43 yards for Lockett. You listen to guys like Dave Damashek, and he talks about the Jenga theory, right? That's the one guy who's not the quarterback. That's kind of that piece that if you miss him, then things start to fall apart a little bit. And Tyler Lockett feels like that guy to me because we've seen now, ever since that 49ers game, late in that game, Russell has a chance to, to close it out with a touchdown in overtime. The pass is intercepted. You know, Lockett's off the field by then. And then the game since then, you know, Lockett was out. Then he's kind of struggled to come back the last couple of weeks. And this has been his best performance so far with the four catches, 43 yards, but still not to the level that we are seeing, you know, him getting double-digit catches earlier on in the season. The Jenga 
is a good, that's a really good analogy. Cause I always did the spice. Like I always said, he's the spice. You've got a really good meal. And I think the Seahawks have a really good meal. I think everything's there. Everything's mixed up. Right. And then you'd throw in a healthy Tyler Lockett. And he was that spice you threw in at the end that was like, okay, well now we took a really good meal and it's really, really good. And it stands out. And now it feels like you're just kind of back to that. Oh, it's a good meal. That's a good meal, but no one's really truly just writing home about it. One of the guys that it's affected is Russell Wilson. And in this game, he had 22 completions on 36 attempts, 245 yards, but sacked five times for 43 yards. And, you know, even the 245 yards, a lot of that was coming late in the game. He had his struggles earlier on in the game. And I, and I don't even know if it's him struggling or if he was let down <laughs> by his receivers mostly in this game. It's funny. There is, you know, they start showing the different angles on a lot of his sacks last night and he, Russell Wilson can't win, right? He's, he's up on such a high pedestal in situations like this. The haters are just going to hate him no matter what he does. He got sacked last night when he did try to make something happen. And he does the thing that a lot of times, you know, fans go, Oh my gosh, Russ, you don't need to make so much happen. Throw it away. And he got sacked doing that. And then he got sacked where he just tried to drop back in the pocket. And it's like he, he, at some point he can't help it. He's going to get sacked when you're not getting blocked at all. Well, one of the things that we saw from him is that, yeah, he, he did kind of make some of those moves. But one of the differences is that in the past, he would always just bail out the backside of the pocket. And in this game, you saw him consistently look to move forward first. And as it was kind of closing it around him, then he was resorting to moving out the backside. And and so we, we are seeing him do it a little bit differently. He, his, his first inclination is to move up in the pocket at, before bailing out the backside. Yes. And, you know, it just, I said the receivers were letting him down. Maybe the offensive line letting him down a little bit too. Well, I get what you're saying too. The, the all 22, you watch the film and you see everyone and you really quickly realize what you don't see immediately off of TV is there is not a lot of windows to throw the ball into when you have split seconds to make decisions. You watch it, and even in slow motion, as a fan, you can go, oh my gosh, yeah, there's nothing I can't see. Josh Gordon didn't get open there. DK Metcalf isn't wide open there. Not do that with in regular motion, and regular motion in the NFL is fast motion for most of us. It moves so quickly, but the, the guys being open was an issue. But then when guys were open, we saw drops. We saw on a fourth and one, him go to Jacob Hollister. It hits him in the hands and unable to come down with it. So that results in a drive that they can't finish. And they did pretty well in the first half to move the ball down the field. It's just they they couldn't get it done inside the red zone. They have to kick the field goal on the very first drive. They turn it over on downs on that fourth down play. And then maybe the one that infuriated me the most was the one right before the end of the half they move the ball down the field. They move five plays down the field. They get right around midfield. Russell Wilson takes a sack, and then they just decide to go into the locker room at halftime. It would have been he could have spiked the ball on third down and had time for one more play to throw for the end zone. A hail mary, yeah, low percentage play, but why not take a chance? You're down twenty-one to three at that point. Do you know what a lower percentage play than a Hail Mary with a big with big guys like Josh Gordon and DK Metcalf? Big guys, big guys who can get up and get a football. Yeah. You know what the worst percentage play than that is? Running to the locker room. 
Yes, you you know for sure that will result in zero points doing that. Yes, yeah. I, I could not believe that. I I remember looking up and thinking I had missed something. Thinking, oh man, had I dug around in the popcorn bowl a little too long and I'd missed the final play. That was a really weird vibe. Just looking up at the TV and seeing Sean McVay, Usain Bolt it off the field and thinking, well, you got it. You have to at that point. Russ has got a good arm. Fifty yards. That's an easy throw for Russell Wilson to at least get it to the end zone for an attempt. It was the, one of the most frustrating moments for me. It probably even more frustrating than when late in the game uh, they're down twenty-eight to nine and they decide to go for a field goal instead of going for the touchdown on fourth and fifteen. But at that point, it kind of felt like it was already set yeah. up for the Rams to win. I, to that point, I had succumbed to the idea that the Rams were going to win this game. Well, and then it was even kind of weird watching their very last. One of the very last drives, I think it was their, their very last drive. And you are now in a situation where you need two touchdowns. You're down 16 points. You're going to need a lot to happen. And it wasn't the normal panic, I guess not panic, but just quick moving Russell Wilson where the offense is flowing and they're looking to score. It was slowed down and the two minute warning got there and it was like, oh, ho hum. And then the next play happens and it just was even a slow hurry up mode, which was really weird to see from him. Yeah. So they get the ball back. It was four and a half minutes after, uh, David Moore muffed that punt. And fortunately, Ugo Amadi there to just jump on top of the ball. That was probably one of the highlights of the game, just because it was a heads up play by a guy on special teams. And that's how, how low we have to dig in this game to find (laughs) highlights for the Seahawks, but they get the ball back four and a half minutes it took them three minutes just Jeez. to get to midfield. And that was when Russell Wilson throws deep for Lockett. It's intercepted by Hill in the end zone. And uh, yeah, they were they were at midfield with a minute and a half left. It's just not normal. It's not, if you've watched a lot of Seahawks games over the last couple of years, it's not normal because the Seahawks weirdly make big plays in those situations. And they have, I feel like their success rate on plays like that have to, has to be one of the top, uh, percentages in the league and for them not to try any of them, not to go to the well one time with something creative, whether it was at the end of the half or any of those times you're talking about in the fourth quarter, it, that, that felt wrong. And you know, penalties had a lot to do with it on that last drive too, because he had uh, it, the Rams had a defensive offside penalty. It, it put the Seahawks on the other side of the field, and uh, and then they go backwards. You got a holding penalty on Fluker. You have an offensive holding on Moore on that run by Russell Wilson, which Moore didn't even need to hold the dude. That Russell didn't get any more yards uh, based off of what Moore was doing on that play. And then the very next play is that interception. Yeah, that the penalties. It was, you know, what was it? Five penalties. Is that what the Seahawks ended up having? I think no, they five finished. Penalties. They finished with eight penalties. Penalty, okay. Uh, for 64 yards and just five more than the Rams. Did they, did it not feel like every single one of those was at the worst possible time to get a penalty? Like the only one maybe that wasn't was the very first play of the game where you had a penalty to start the game. Then the next seven felt like, of all the times in the world to have a penalty, it's right now. Whatever happened to just like a, like a penalty that doesn't truly affect the drive. They were all drive killers. Yeah, yeah. I get, and that's a good point starting off the game with an illegal formation penalty with, with George Fant. 
Like what was that? What happened there? That was such a strange call. Just that was just setting the tone for what ended up feeling like a weird night of football. It did, but fortunately they did get points off of that drive. It just, yeah, the the inability of the Seahawks to score touchdowns, the inability of the Seahawks defense to limit the Rams to field goals, and it was it was a frustrating night overall. All four, well, four of the five trips for the Rams inside the red zone, all all resulting. And touchdowns, and that leaves me with a couple bright spots okay. for this game, Sean. Oh yeah, and sorry. I, I hate focusing on the negatives always with the Hawks because I feel like I leave even the games we win. I feel like I leave them going like, "But look at this! But this was bad! But this is bad! Oh my gosh, panic!" And that's not how I would necessarily want to look at all these because the team is ten and three, and I think a million teams would w- wish they had a lot of the players we have, and definitely wish they had the record that we had. So I'm glad you had some positives coming up. Yes. And, and we'll get to those right after the break, because I, I do, I, I want to talk about those, Sean, because it's uh, there, there's still a lot of positive things about this season. So let's take a break. We'll get right to it after this. Talking to Sean Widmer of KXLY FM in Spokane, breaking down the Seahawks' loss to the Rams on Sunday night football. It ends a streak, a streak of primetime winning games for Pete Carroll in December. It's the first one he's lost. And and the disappointing thing was is that going into this game, Pete Carroll had a chance to get his 100th regular season win to do it in the Coliseum where he had so much success as, as a college coach. And it, it's just kind of a downer. I said we were going to get to some bright spots, but it just, I, I keep going back to that. There were so many opportunities for good things in this game because the, the 49ers had beat the saints. He wanted Seattle to keep pace. And I guess that does take me to the, to one of the good spots is that the Seahawks, they are still 10 and 3. They've only lost one game on the road this season. Who would have expected that? And they have an opportunity win your final 3 games. You could get the number 1 seed now with the Saints loss. You're you're kind of hoping for a three-way tie now uh, with Green Bay, with the Saints and with Seattle if all 3 of those finish at 13 and 3. Seattle has the tiebreaker. I don't know why it works that way, but it does. The Seahawks would get the number one seed. And uh, so it's just kind of cool with the last three games to go in the season that they're still in that position. I think it is cool. And I think it's nice to focus on the fact if, you know, you look at the loss and you're bummed out about it. And yeah, the score stinks. 28-12, not the greatest score. You have to remember in the NFL, these divisional games are so difficult. These coaches know each other real well. The players normally have a little bit more animosity towards people in their division. It seems like it, it, those games are so much easier to lose. And so at least like you're looking at a bad loss, but you know, it's not a bad loss next week. Like where you, if you lose to Carolina, then you go, Oh no, 28, 12 to the, to the Panthers. That's bad. 28, 12 to a team that, you know, like I said, you know, you're, they know your ins and outs. That's a little bit easier to go with. Yeah, and they still are the NFC champions, and as as little as I want to refer to them in that way, it's been nice to see them kind of come back to earth a little bit this season. So I thought, you know, if we could get them twice in the same season, yeah, that would that would have me feeling good. But yeah, you, you know what? I as much as I think I started off the top saying that I'd rather have a loss to the Panthers. You're probably right. That would probably be worse. I'm just you know, it's it's silly of me <laughs> to think that. But uh, yeah, there's there were some other positives out of this game too. Quandre Diggs. Two interceptions and Shaquem Griffin being the guy who is getting the pressure 
on Jared Goff and helping to make the make him throw the ball when he didn't quite want to. He, he relatively unscathed throughout the day, zero sacks on the day, but the couple times they were able to pressure Jared Goff, he was throwing picks, and it feels... It feels good to have a safety like Diggs back there, which is something that I feel like we've been missing since Earl Thomas. How awesome does that trade seem right now? Because oh my gosh, for a fifth round not, pick. Yo, there's no, there's not a fifth rounder out there right now who's coming in and getting this many interceptions, including one for a touchdown. You, you're not finding that in the fifth round. That is just an absolutely brilliant pick and one that needs to be applauded heavily by, for the Seahawks front office. Awesome having him on the team. And then another guy who's been playing really well, a third-round pick. Uh, You have Rasheem Green, who blocked the field goal. That was the one play where uh, they didn't allow the Rams to score inside the red zone was on that drive. Okay. Was it not fantastic hearing someone on television say something that I feel like Seahawks fans have felt for a long time when the, the point was brought up last night on Sunday Night Football of the Seahawks never quit? They're always finding a way to grind back into games. Now, last night they did not get, get the grind done, but they do, they do not make it easy. Even when you're beating them, they're still the biggest thorn in your side of any team. And it's probably, and it's why they come back and win these games a lot of times. Well, and that was one of my frustrations is that, yeah, okay. The defense, they did give up 21 points in the first half, but if you go to that third quarter it was the defense that allowed the offense. They they made the stops, allowing the offense to get back into it. And it just it, it wasn't going to happen for the offense in this game. And even special teams wasn't helping out because Byers misses the extra point. So they're just, you know, they had all the opportunities, especially in that third quarter, to get back in the game. And it was guys like Rasheem Green and, and Quandre Diggs. And it just wasn't able to happen on the offensive side. Seahawks teams of old, when they are down 21 to nine years and years and years ago. I don't have faith. The Seahawks were down 21 to nine last night. And I thought I I was pretty convinced they were going to win that game. Yeah. Like that's the point we're at with the Seahawks too. I felt like if they come back and win this, I'm not going to be surprised. That's the Russell Wilson thing. And it's just, that's what we're going to be dealing with a tense fourth quarter and us sitting on pins and needles, but I expected us to win that game. That's kind of a fun place to be as a football fan. It really is. And that's been kind of the bonus of this season. And I just wonder if the players were starting to feel that as well, because as fans, you know, we've talked about it this year of how just, just how nervous we can get at the end of those close games. But after winning so many of those close games, you start to have that belief and you sense that belief in the players that everything's just going to work out. And uh, Joe fan from NBC, he was talking to Shaquille Griffin after the game and he said the Seahawks were on a bit of a high horse and needed a loss like this to bring him back to earth. So I, I just wonder if the players were starting to buy into that too, that idea of, Oh, things are just going to work out well for us. And that's kind of how they played in this game. Yeah. I mean, it was 21 nine and the Seahawks get that interception and they throw deep to, to was more, I believe yeah, David Moore, they throw deep to him. And I, I fully expected that to be caught. I was yeah. like, this is going to happen. This is how it goes. Your Rams, good luck, buckle up. It hits you right in the mouth. But I do like your point. Does that, does that translate to the locker room? Does that get into player sets? Do they get overly confident? And I don't know these guys, man, these are the ultimate in confident dudes, right? You're, there's not a non, there's not a guy who's not confident playing football in the NFL. All these guys are extremely confident. That's why they're where they're at. 
Well, how are you feeling going out now through the rest of the season, Sean? Because they do have three games left on their schedule. They have their final road game. It'll give them a chance to break the franchise record of wins on the road if they can get that seventh win against the Carolina Panthers coming up. And then they come home two divisional games. Uh, Fortunately, they're at home. But one of those games, San Francisco Niners looking pretty good. Oh man. And, and weirdly the Cardinals, right? Like weirdly, it's another one of those <laughs> divisional things that you look at and go, of course, the Cardinals of all the teams to play when we need a win, uh, the Cardinals are going to roll into town. But this week, if you're focusing right now, the week to week coach talk game by game, you doggone better punch Carolina directly in the mouth. And yeah. it's, I, I don't know that there's anything other uh, that, that's acceptable. Otherwise lose their head coach really nothing to play for. You do not, you do not have your, your franchise quarterback. You punch. This is a team you punch directly in the mouth and get out of there, get this game done with. And then you start getting ready for those divisional games that are going to be tough. Okay. Let's define punch in the mouth because the Seahawks have been a lot of close games this year. Does does that mean score more than seven points? Are we talking multiple touchdown uh, difference in this game? (laughs) Give me one of those games in the thirties. Give me one of those games in the thirties. I want to see Chris Carson in the end zone. Give me a couple rust, a good rust touchdowns, get that game into the thirties offensively. And then, you know, limit the, limit the Panthers to even under 20. I get, I mean, that's not a huge blowout, but it will feel like one, especially after the last two weeks have been the, how they've gone. Well, you definitely want to see Chris Carson get involved. I want to see some of Travis Homer, you know, the one run that we've seen from him was the fake punt the week before. And I, he's just a guy, well, and we get to see him run too on the kickoffs now that he's filling in for Tyler Lockett, but I would like to see you mix in. I, I'd like to see the offense mix him in a little bit more and see what Travis Homer can bring because he has that same kind of physical toughness, I feel, like Chris Carson has. And you talk about the kind of hit that it'll take with Rashad Penny, and he is kind of he is that speed guy. It, it helps mix things up a little bit. But I kind of also like the idea of having just a couple power guys that you can just hammer teams with. Yeah, I, I do like that as well. That's that's probably a big help. It just entirely to have a guy who can just run it down someone's throat. I I also I wouldn't mind a little more Josh Gordon. I I have yeah. not disliked what I've seen from him. I, I I don't know what the total consensus is right now for fans and Josh Gordon, but I I like what he brings to the table. And I know he only had two catches last night. And he doesn't really come out there and he, he's not getting games with just billions and billions of yards and amazing plays. I think he's really good, though, and I would love to see him have a nice game in one of the next two weeks leading into that 49ers game. Yeah, we actually saw him catch a pass that wasn't on third down. Uh, it seems like every single one of his receptions has been coming on third down in critical moments. Uh, Russell missed him on a third down uh, late in the game, uh, missed him on a fourth down. But uh, he did pick up one third down catch. He finishes the day with two catches in this game. And I was kind of surprised. I was looking at at the third down completions by players uh, so far through week 13. And I was surprised to see Gordon with more third down catches than guys like David Moore, uh, who's been with the team all season, uh, Malik Turner, uh, even, even the tight ends combined. So he just in his short time with Seattle and the limited time he's been on the field, he's been making an impact. It's so sad, unfortunately, that we have a position on the Seahawks called tight end combined because <laughs> of the injuries. Like, that's such a bummer, but it's so true. And what, do, I don't know what happens in new England. I don't know what happens there in wide receiver training, but every single wide receiver that spends a moment in new England 
can run the greatest quick slant in the NFL. Yeah. It's the weirdest thing. It's like, well, can we teach it to guys like DK Metcalf and maybe get David Moore's a little more precise? Cause Josh Gordon runs a slant and it is ideal. It's the most perfect slant route on third down every single time. Yeah, that's what he's here to do. That's his job. And uh, and we saw some of the incompletions where they weren't on slants. And so maybe, you know, they just need to go back to that. They they know where Josh Gordon's bread's buttered. And let's keep it right there. And it stinks, and I get it, because you're trying to now, with Lockett not being what looks to, what looks to be not a 100% Lockett. I get what you're trying to do. You have to mix it up a little bit and get guys in different situations. But I'm with you. Let's go bread and butter with Josh Gordon. Well, on the night, the defense, they do hold Todd Gurley 79 yards, 23 attempts. Uh, but holy smokes, getting beat with the jet sweeps by Reynolds and Woods. Uh, Reynolds had three for 29. Woods had two for 29. That's where they were really picking up the yards on the Seahawks defense, stretching them out. And with injuries at the linebacker spot with Michael Kendricks, you know, hopefully he'll, he'll be coming back from the hamstring injury. Cody Barton goes down with an injury. And uh, KJ Wright, I think he had an injury in this game too. So as deep as the linebackers were going into the season, now it's looking kind of rough. Did Stefan Diggs not have a really nice jet sweep play when we played Minnesota? Because I, I feel like he did. And then you had the ones last night. Yeah. That's, that's a, a scheme thing that hopefully is addressed over the next couple of weeks because those were real easy. Yeah, those are too easy. And usually, you know, you hope a guy like Jadevian Clowney can you know, burst into the backfield and, and wreck those plays like he has been so good at in the past. But we didn't see a lot of him from this game either. Yeah, I, and, and, I, and I love Clowney. And I love, I love the intensity he brings. And I think that, you know, the last couple of weeks, that pass rush had been awesome. And so it's, you know, this is me. That's me nitpicking. Mm-hmm. That's me nitpicking that defensive pressure right there. Because overall, I think these last couple of weeks, come on, how much fun has it been to watch that defensive line get fired up? That's been fun. And that's what we're going to need now going down the stretch, especially getting into the playoffs where you're facing quarterbacks that are, are generally going to be good. And, and you need to get that pressure on them to make them uncomfortable. And uh, so as, as they go down the stretch, that's going to be something I, I want to see Russell Wilson push back into it. It seems like these couple of years where we start talking about him getting fired up about him being in the MVP race about 10 weeks into the season, he, he'll kind of come back to the middle of the pack in the, in the last few weeks of the season. So maybe I'm, what I'm hoping for for him is that he can now make a, a strong push over these next three games. Yeah, big time. I, I, that would be extremely nice. And you're going against some teams the next two weeks that would allow you to find footing, yeah. right? You're, that's, which is nice. Cause that's not always the case into the season. Sometimes you're a little more frantic. The, the, the road is set up nicely for the Seahawks to head into that, that final game of the season, which should be just a massive game against the 49ers. Uh, I, 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 he's going to have to find his footing in there. He's going to have to figure that out over the next couple of weeks. Just not to saying he's bad, not saying he's last night was a terrible game, but this is an elite quarterback. This is an elite quarterback. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league and he's going to have to play like the best quarterback in the league. If you want to make noise in the post postseason. Well, and, he, and he's going to need the help from guys like Josh Gordon from DK Metcalf. Hopefully Tyler Lockett continues to recover from his issues and, uh, and the team can kind of go into the stretch relatively healthy and, and make a strong playoff run. So Sean, I really want to thank you for coming on, helping break down this game. I, I'm glad we finally got to do it after a, a couple of years now. Hopefully now uh, we can start to do this a little more. 
Randy, you can have me on anytime. I, I'll tell you, well, two things for you. Number one, I want to do one football related thing. Okay. Last night, let's go with something else good. And I wanted to mention it earlier and I forgot. We did not lose a fumble last night. Yes. We did not lose a fumble last night. All right. And that was a good feeling because there was a couple times where Chris Carson started running. He does the thing where it's like, man, I would love that extra yard. And the ball starts to come up. And I thought, no. And we didn't lose that fumble. And I and DK had a bunch of catches and there was no fumble there. And those two are two guys who I'm sure it's always in the back of their mind. No fumbles lost was a great feeling last night as a Seahawks fan. The other thing I had for you. So. My wife and I, we just, we just had uh, our first kid earlier in the week and the amount of the, to a child who has no idea anything about football or anything, anything about anything, the amount of time I've spent in the last 10 hours, 12 hours explaining why this isn't a panic mode to an infant uh, <laughs> speaks highly of the fandom in this household for the Seahawks. Well, that's good. I, I'm glad you're able to bring the family into it as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I was talking to my wife. It kind of goes back to the uh, Rashad Penny injury. How crazy is it that these guys spend 60 minutes running into each other at full speed and it takes a play where a guy doesn't even get touched and goes down and it's an injury like out for the season? It, it's so strange to me. And it, and she's the one that brought it up to me that, you know, there's so many opportunities for these guys to get hurt. And it's on these strange plays where a guy can be done for the season. And now and it's so sad when it's a guy. It's so sad when it's any player. I mean, even on teams I don't like, it's a bummer when it's a young guy yeah. who is starting to find his, his groove. Oh man. And it's a, it's an injury. You go for a guy. Think about if you or I blew our ACL out today, mm-hmm. do you know when we would be doing anything athletic next? Uh, maybe April. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just like, you know, these guys work so hard to get back into it and then they, they, they heal quick and they do all this stuff, but then they're not going back to work sitting around or, you know, the most strenuous thing I'm going to do tonight is probably carry a bunch of dishes from the dining room table into the kitchen. Right. Like the most strenuous thing he's going to do coming back from an injury is try to avoid getting tackled by Bobby Wagner in practice. Yeah. It's a different deal, man. It's, it's a totally bummer. different. It's a big bummer. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about that with the core injury with that Jadevian Clowney's dealing with, you know, could he have surgery and come back in three or four weeks? Because you do see guys sometimes with that quick recovery time and, you know, Marshawn dealt with it and, and he was back in time for the playoff game against the Carolina Panthers back in the 2015 season. And yeah, just to be out for six weeks and then to be able to be back and be as physical as those types of players are in the NFL, it's it's pretty incredible that just how they have the ability not just to recover from a, an injury that would devastate most of us, but right. do it and then perform at like the highest physical peak in <laughs> in a crazy uh, uh, hard hitting sport. An injury that has either one of us begging our our wives for months and months and months to baby us. Right. He's <laughs> gonna have these guys back in the gym uh, in no time. Uh, also, I didn't ask you what is the expectation? What is the outcome you need to see Sunday? Early morning game, scary. Early morning, 10 o'clock games, I don't like them. Are they and scary? They're not scary anymore, Sean. They, they've, they've totally figured that out. I don't like them. They, I, I just have bad You still have life. those bad memories from the Holmgren years of, of so many losses. And I've, I've dealt with that too because I was living on the East Coast at the time. Those are the games that I was able to travel to. And it was always a loss. Even when they were up 17 points, up 10 points, they'd find a way to lose late in those games. But I, 
I now I have the confidence that this team right. can go on the road and get those 10 a.m. Uh, Pacific starts. Okay, good. I'm going to text you at 9:55 this Sunday for a little bit of confidence. But what do you? What I'll do give you, you a pep talk. I, I need it. What do you need to see Sunday? I I just need to see Russell Wilson back. I uh, need to see Chris Carson them sticking with. Uh, they were able to run the ball pretty well against this Rams team. I would have liked to see them stick with that. Uh, the main thing, though, I want to see the same type of defense that I saw from this team against San Francisco, against Philadelphia, because it really is, I think it's going to weigh more heavily on the defense going down the stretch, especially when you're talking about playing a team like San Francisco in Week 17 and then going into the playoffs. It's it's going to depend on that defense. I just don't like what we saw from the Saints and 49ers, you know, having to outscore a team that's going to score in the 40s. Yeah, you don't want to shoot out. You want you want a team to had to struggle to score at all, and I like that. I, I think that's that's probably with this team the better way to approach a game is to outscore a team that's having a hard time scoring, even if you barely outscore them, than to get into a shootout. And yes, speaking of of reflecting on the past and being terrified of things gone by, when I saw George Kittle make that play yesterday, I oh, thought, gosh. oh crap, big tight end going to be playing against Seattle at the end of the season uh-huh. and tight ends just have terrified me for years now because of what they did for us for about a three-year spell. Yeah. And Higby did it again in this game against the Rams. So they have a couple weeks now. So that's maybe your thing. You want to see them lock down those tight ends maybe as, as practice going yeah. into that week 17 game. I, that's it. I feel so bad because I did this today with some of my buddies and I talked so much about how, how last night was bummer and things we were worried about and this and that and stressed out. And this team is still so dang good and they're still such a threat and such a powerhouse in the NFC. And truly they could win this thing just as easily and probably more easily than most teams in the league. Yeah. And I'm going to go ahead and just say right now, I am not going to be down based on the outcome of week 17, because I mean, there's still a lot of, that can happen over the next three weeks. But even if the Seahawks team goes into the playoffs as a wild card, which they won't because they're going to get that win over the San Francisco 49ers, I'm not going to work my my mind into that negative space. But if they do, you know what? They they have a good good path to go, I think, in the playoffs as well. You're crazy. It's really hard to be down after a Week 17 win. Sean, really want to thank you for coming on. And uh, where can they go? I know you got podcasts that you do. Uh, yeah. You got the the show uh, with Jay and Kevin in Spokane. And uh, and so, where do people go to listen to you? Where do they go to find you on social media? If you go to Twitter and you go to at uh, Bomaruski, uh, shout out to an old bum Phillips play call from way back in the day <laughs> at Bomaruski. You can uh, find me there, and it's all my stuff on uh, in terms of finding me to listen to in your ears at any given point. But I appreciate you coming on, man. You guys do a great job. I'm always entertained. You guys really, really kill it with the Seahawks coverage. A big thanks once again to Sean Widmer. Follow him at Bomaruski on Twitter. You can also subscribe to this podcast, sbnation.com slash NFL podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Seahawkers pod. And coming up next in your podcast feed, we are going to be talking to Clinton Bonner at Clinton Bond with three in three out. It's going to be tough to come up with some of those ins. So if you have any, if you have any of those plays that may have gone unnoticed in this game and not, not the quadre digs interception, because that's, that's easily the highlight of the game. Uh, but any of those other plays where you think, you know what, this one may get overlooked. Hashtag three, I three O on Twitter, tag Clinton Bonner at Clinton bond, tag me at Seahawkers pod. And we'll try and work it into the upcoming show. 
Going to be a lot more to talk about through the week, through these last couple weeks of the season as the Seahawks push toward the playoffs. And with that, I'm going to get on out of here. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.